Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. In today's episode, we are talking about the magic of mares. This chat is somewhat heavy-hearted. It's a conversation about the reality of our feminine equine friends. We dive into loss, heat cycles, energy that surrounds them, and the reality of how that affects their lives and their emotional well-being. We hope you share the empathy with us and that this episode sparks some change for our beloved and strong magical mares. And be sure to check out the link in the show notes for Shaylee and Amber's Tea House, the membership that our first call Sunday. Hello, and welcome to episode eight. We're super excited to have you here. If you missed episode seven, it was all about love languages. It was like actually a super cool episode where we talked about different horse love languages and maybe what our love languages are and how that looks for us in our relationship with our horses. And this episode, um, we are talking about the feminine power of mares and maybe a little bit about their heat cycles and probably a little bit about like babies. Um, I have a couple of stories actually that we should talk about um, with like mares carrying babies and that'll tie into our next episode, which is our first episode with a guest. Super awesome. Kelly Wants. She's a grief counselor and we will be talking all about grief and the different types of grief and processes and all kinds of stuff. So that should be super cool, but this should tie really well into it. So do you want to start? If you want to watch that one, you have to be part of the membership. Side note. Yeah, yeah. Side <laughs> note. <now>. Squirrel. <laughs> It'll be available later, but if you don't want to wait, then you have to be in the membership. <clears throat> yes. Mm. You go. <laughs> um, we're we're okay. We're gonna be okay. Um, yeah. So mares. Okay. So I feel like this feels really significant to me and pertinent right now in my life because. Just over the years, you always hear people describe their mares as like, oh, she's just being marish. Like that's an actual term people say, ew. Um, or, you know, she's being crabby or she's, you know, all of the things that we say when the mares and the geldings, but we're talking mares right now, um, are expressing where they're at. And I have uh, three mares. Well, I have more than that here, but three mares in my past right now. One is mine, who she's actually really the only mare that I've owned. Um, I've owned a couple more, but it was really brief. And she really, like, I never know when she's in heat. So it's never been something that I've ever really understood or that impacted me in any way. Like, it's very, she's basically a gelding. And um, the two that I have in training are very different. Like, I feel like I look out and they are always in heat. And so it's just brought this level of awareness to me about when I'm working them and where they're at. And I think most significantly is we were actually going to record a podcast the other day. And I thought one of them was colicking. And when I had gone in, 
I realized that what was happening is when I brought her in, I gave her some banamine, you know, I checked everything and it didn't feel like colic. Um, and when I had her out and I was walking her, she was expressing to everyone she was in heat. And then I realized, oh, hold on. This is something completely different. She was just feeling really shitty in her body because of her heat cycle. Um, you know, and, and I knew that there was an actual shift like a couple days before that, where she started to get really kind of emotional and like attached to the other horses. And typically she's not. So I like for the first time, it was just really aware of like how much was going on for her within that time span. And then to have her go all the way into a space where she looked like she was colicking when I know for sure that's not what it was, you know, and then realizing, oh my gosh, and then I also actually was about to start my period. And I was like, so Emily's empathy, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, and it sort of just dawned on me how much we ask of them when we know they're in that space and how much we disregard, like what's going on for their bodies, especially as my, most of our listeners are women, not all, but most. And you have to really think about, I was like, if someone was like, we're going to go work out right now and you're going to hold this plank and you're going to activate all of these you know, I would be like the fuck I am, you know what I mean? And so it just started getting me really thinking about how often we totally disregard them and what they're, I know we've talked about this before, how we sort of, you know, disregard the communication that's going on. But I feel like, especially in mares, there needs to be a little bit more grace around how we decide what we're going to do with them when they're in that space rather than just making them do everything that we would normally do. So yeah, that was my whole, like this week was just like, Oh my goodness. Like just really, really having it be right in front of my face. Um, and just, um, scrolling back into my memory of like how many times I've heard people say stuff like that and then recognizing like, yeah, wow, (laughs) they do feel like shit. So maybe don't get on their back today. And ask them for all the lead changes and then wonder why they're pitting their ears and kicking out. Like, because. (laughs) Yeah. And something that I feel like I see as a communicator, like a common pattern is when I talk to mares and I'm like, hey, she has a pretty gnarly heat cycle or her ovary really like furrowed up into her body and it never got released or I will express what is going on in their bodies and a lot of times the person is well aware and they're like oh yeah I know she has heavy heat cycles I have her on raspberry leaf or she's on regimate or this or that and I think it's really important to yeah maybe take those actions that will help them feel a little bit more comfortable in their body but that's not always necessarily enough like just saying you know going back to like the gym scenario, like, yeah, take an ibuprofen and then get back out here. Like sometimes you're, I mean, literally your whole physiology of your body is like changing when they're in that heat cycle. And another thing too, is mares get really, really hungry when they're on their heat cycle, which I feel like I can relate to. Cause anytime I'm on my period, I always get hungry. And, um, I find that I meet a lot of resistance or like, um, people just like, oh, that's hilarious or whatever. If I'm like, hey, she's really hungry. Like, can you feed her more until she's done with her, her heat cycle? And I feel like I'm always met with like, oh, that's hilarious. She's such a pig or she's such a this, or she's such a hussy. She's peeing on all the boys and doing all of this and doing all of that. And it's like, if, if we talked about ourselves or other people, um, 
Sorry, Arlo was about to go in the freaking chicken coop and she's been getting in trouble for that. Come here. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, If we like talked about people like that or if someone talked about us or to us like that, we would be like damaged. Like it would hurt. So I agree. This is a very important topic. And I think that that just their reproductive systems in general are taken advantage of sometimes. Um, just So just today, I think I'm going to have to write a post about this actually, because just today I talked to a mare who um, had significant inflammation in her lumbar area. She brought up her left ovary and her kidneys, but she called it emotional. And as we were diving into what was going on with her, I'm like, I really feel like something significant happened with her reproductive system. I'm not really sure what it is. And the person said, well, uh, the people we got her from bred her. She has had four foals before and they bred her this time and she lost the foal at a hundred days. And then she ended up coming to us. And I'm just thinking like how much of an impact that made on that mare to lose that. And all she wanted was acknowledgement, like just acknowledge that this is very sad for me, that my entire body changed, that no one even said anything about it. Um, And it makes me sad for a lot of mares to think that they have miscarriages or that they lose their babies or they, they know like what their bodies are feeling. And for someone to keep trying over and over again with a mare that's not taking is like damaging to them. Like they know that their body is rejecting it, that it's not working out. And I feel like that should be respected a little bit more. It's just kind of crazy to think about the energy that goes into breeding and people not really taking the mare's emotions into consideration or not believing that they have a feeling towards it maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you think about how impactful experience is um, even like when they're pregnant, you know, and like how they're, when I read this book, it didn't start with you. And it really made me understand the impact of that ancestral, I don't want to say trauma, just experience maybe even. So it doesn't necessarily mean trauma, but how much, how much the nervous system of the embryo is absorbing for their mother's experience, like on the outside, you know, and even in the creation of the baby, um, and the way that we do breed them is like traumatic all in itself. Um, so yeah, I often, I often think about how little people actually think about all of that because it does make a difference of what kind of a horse you get. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the body is just, it's like, when did we decide, well, for financial gain, obviously, but it's like, when did we decide that like this feminine power and this ability to create life is like, it is just plentiful. I just feel like it's so diminished and I, and animals feel that like, there's no way that they don't feel that if, so like mares that come from like a, a really competitive background and their person really valued them for what they did in the show ring. And then she gets hurt and they're like, Oh, well, we can't use your body in this way anymore. So we're going to use your body in this way instead. I just feel like they feel that they know 
that, you know, the emotion behind it or um, kind of what we were talking about earlier with like looks and perceptions of beauty. And you just got to think like, what, what energy is it putting into that horse to breed them specifically for what they look like? Like that is like the dominant intent and emotion behind it. And that, that has got to play an impact, whether it's like on a subconscious level or whatever. Yeah. And then something recently that's been coming up a lot for me, and it's something that ties into the breeding and like being responsible with breeding and what that even means. Cause that's such an individual thing is, um, and it's something that I never look at, right. I never like look at, you know, the auction houses and the rescues and that, like, I kind of just like know that it's happening. And I feel like anytime I get a glimpse of it, it's so, um, detrimental <laughs> for me in that moment. And someone had posted something actually this morning and it was just like the bottom half. And they were talking about how people are now in certain States or something are allowed to take or encouraged to bring in horses that have broken legs or dislocated, like major dysfunction and still get money for them instead of just humanely putting them down. And my brain was just like, like what kind of like world are we living in where that is a decision somebody consciously makes and go, well, I can get a couple hundred bucks for this. So I might as well just pro- like, it was wild. And it's something that I never, like I said, I never look at it. Cause it's like, what can I do about it? It's too disturbing. <clears throat> I even thought, um, the other day, you know, we were doing those meditations and, um, they were, he was asking us to envision, I don't know what, I can't remember some future or something. And I was thinking of when I was little, I used to have this idea that I wanted to have like a um, nonprofit where I helped humans heal and um, like rescues and at the same time. And it was a thought that popped into my head again. As I like progressed as an adult and like a trainer, I was like, that seems like the most ridiculous thing. And how hard would that be? And how expensive is that? And so all of those types of things popped in. Um, But in my head too, I was like, I would literally have to pay somebody to go to the auctions because there's no way that I could even manage doing that. It would wreck me. Um, But yeah, so it was just interesting to like really look at the humans and breeding and how, you know, and, and going to the piece of, oh, this mare's hurt, not going to be able to be sound, be ridden or whatever, perform. So let's breed her. And it's like, so now you're going to take a horse that has dysfunction and, and discomfort in its body and then add the weight of an entire another life and being into them. It's like crazy to me. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I can't wrap my brain around it. <laughs> I know it's crazy to me too. And when I think of like people talking about birth trauma, for me, it's more like from an energetic standpoint, like the baby literally absorbing those emotions and that cortisol and like I have talked to horses in the past and dogs. This happens a lot with dogs because there's a lot of like irresponsible, you know, breeding or people not neutering them or whatever. Um, And puppies, like people will come to me and say like puppies are, this puppy is six months old and he's biting me and he's freaking out and he's afraid of strangers and he's this and he's that. And I'm like, yeah, well, his growing up in the womb was terrible. Like the mom was so stressed and that really is the same for horses too. And then they, I don't know. Yeah. It's a sad, it's kind of a sad subject, kind of a deep subject. Um, and I think that some people are 
aware and like are mindful or maybe just, I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect. Like I'm trying to think of how much to say about this situation. I talked to a Philly that is at like a very big, um, barn (laughs) and she was extremely sick. Like they, she was a couple weeks old, super, super sick. Um, they quarantined her from all other horses when she got sick because they were worried that she was contagious and that was extremely detrimental to her. And there was just a disconnect between understanding that and the person who I was talking to just couldn't understand why separating her was such a big thing if the other horses were all around her, but she had no physical touch. And I was like, well, she's a baby. Like Mm -hmm. this is her first time she's sick. She can't even like get the care from her mom. Um, that stuff matters to them. Like it's hard on them the weaning process is hard too. Um, horses in the wild. I have one of my best friends is, um, she follows Mustangs and she has six Mustangs and, um, she talks about how like babies in the wild stay with their parents for like two years with their mom for two years and will nurse at like two years old. And it's kind of sad to think that we like take babies away from them. I talk to horses sometimes that will bring up their babies and missing them or wondering where they are. But I also have a few really cool clients that have found their babies for their mares, like after conversations, which is really cool. <laughs> Yeah. And it keeps going back. I'm, I'm going to put a link to that book in the show notes because it is about humans, but they do talk about what happens, you know, in the beginning when there is, especially with the maternal piece, um, the amount of trauma that comes from even just emotional separation from a mother and a child, or in this case, um, and then the physical separation and how like impactful that stuff is right from the get-go and how it really like changes the entire nervous system, you know? Um, and then I always think of too, like how much, um, the whole thing with that book was they go through into the science of it first. And then they talk about the, um, they talk about how they did studies with mice and how they would put the scent of cherry blossoms into the cage and then deliver a shock. And so every time they smelled cherry blossoms, their nervous systems would go into, um, fight or flight. And, um, and then two generations down, they never did it to the, the, um, I don't have words today to the kids of the mice, (laughs) the mice children or the mice grandchildren, but even the great grandchildren of the mice that were in the experiment could smell the cherry blossoms and their bodies would have a, a reaction to it. So it was two generations away where that stuff was still impacting these, you know, these mice. And so when you think about the significance of that for us and for, you know, the horses and their environment that they're in when we breed them and taking all that into consideration. And I think for most mindful people, they do right as much as they can, but I think this goes more into people that probably would never watch this where it's like the big breeders that are just like trying to win the fraternities and trying to, you know, and it goes back to the profit. Right. And so that's like a big thing to even think about trying to change. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Yeah. The people who this is really for probably won't listen to it, but at least we're bringing awareness to the heat cycles and also just knowing that if your mare has been bred in the past or she's had babies in the past, there is probably something that she is still 
connected to, there's probably some sort of healing that needs to be done or acknowledgement that needs to be done around that, especially if she's lost a baby, because that stuff stays with them, just like a human who has a miscarriage, you know, that that grief stays with humans for a long time and animals experience the a very similar grief to us. So, yeah. This is kind of a depressing episode. <laughs> it was so depressing. I'm thinking about like what like, to say. How do, like, how do we make this better? <laughs> wow. That was fun to listen to. <laughs> Jesus. You can all go pour yourselves a glass of wine now and cry into your pillow about the things we can't change. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It was real though, because that is a deep topic. And I do think, so I swear, like we started talking about grief and I'm like seeing it everywhere. And I have all these people that are resonating with it. And I just talked to a horse who passed away recently and he was like, I'm really proud to be like in my non-physical form right now because there is a really big awakening for a lot of people right now and I was like wow I wonder what that means like he just and I couldn't take up the whole session obviously asking about that but I was like this is so cool how he's like there's an awakening there's something going on like I'm part of the big picture I left at the perfect time and then a friend of mine lost her dog who also feels like he's part of a big picture so I'm like man something is going on in the world right now but this I mean, was a topic that while it's depressing, it's like it, important. Yeah, definitely. And we had even talked about this last year, um, how many really special horses. And I know that that's maybe it's just there was an awareness in like the particular circle that we were in, but it just seemed like a lot of real, like, you know, I have all of my horses are significant, but um the really, really deeply connected horses for people were, you know, transitioning. And it was like in the last like six months or something, it felt like there was just this huge wave of, um, of that happening. And then I know there's a lot of like humans that are in loss right now. And so I think grief is just sort of really in the air and why we were so drawn to have the conversation about it. Um, and then also, I know that it was like a hot topic about horses and do they experience grief, you know, and it was interesting because I had had a session um, with someone named Heather, and it was a while ago when my gelding Smarty, he had just been sort of off and I had her do a session with all three of my horses. And when she tapped into him, she could tap into the exact date and year. And she was like, did something significant happen around this time? And, um, I was like, I don't know. And I was kind of looking back and I was like, oh, my client, Megan, her horse, um, Ari, we had to put him down and it wasn't, it wasn't like a fast thing. It was over, you know, I want to say it was almost like a month long where he was at the hospital. He came back, we brought him back here to try to get him to eat. And they were like buddies. And she described them as like Maverick and goose. And, um, and when he transitioned, he, he was at the actual hospital when, when we helped him there and he never came back. And apparently this is something that never even occurred to me to do, but he was very upset that no one had acknowledged that his best friend was gone. There was nothing in the barn, you know, that was honoring him in any way. Like she had just come cleaned all his stuff out, you know, and he just never came back. And, and Smarty was like, like, what the hell, you know? Um, and so she was like, he just needs you to acknowledge. 
like he needs the acknowledgement needs to be there. And he would also like, if he would hang something in the barn that was of his, you know, um, but you know, until that moment, I was like, you know, she didn't know any of that. And, you know, and it was just like, oh gosh, it was this real like awareness of, of course they have these connections. Like they have their friends, like they, that horse, they loved each other. You know, they were out there all day long together. And so, um, the acknowledging piece feels really significant and it's such a simple thing to do. You know what I mean? To just take those, that time. And I swear that day I went out there and I stood with him and I was like, I just sent, you know, I showed him a picture of him and was like, like, I'm so sorry that we never told you, or I never gave you space to like, you know, it was just sort of blown over because we'd all processed it because we knew it was happening. Um, so the acknowledgement was a big thing for him and he shifted immediately after that. So it was really interesting to think of that. That's a piece you can just do for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I cannot wait to talk more about this subject in the next episode because there's so much to be said about it. There's so much. (laughs) (laughs) What time is it? So is that good? I think that's good. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's good. Okay. That one, um, we couldn't cheer that one up if we tried. And our next one will be a little bit better because we'll talk about grief, but then we'll talk about like getting through grief and like the happy processes on the other side. Okay. So I know that wasn't the cheeriest of episodes, but important nonetheless. And really thinking about, you know, the next time you hear somebody say something about their mare or you go to say something about your own mare you know, really take into consideration what's actually going on for them and um, look at just different ways where you can sort of soften the language and the energy around it and be a little bit more empathetic um, and open. Um, And so the grief conversation sort of came up on the end, which was interesting. We are having our first guest on. We are going to interview her in a little bit. And, um, and talk about grief and talk about what grief is and how to work through it and what, you know, where there can be beauty in that as well. And so if you guys are interested in diving deeper into some of these conversations with some people that really, really know what they're talking about, about certain things, um, the membership is open, have not really pushed it that hard. Um, but I'm going to start putting it out there a little bit more, but we'll put the link in the show notes. So if you guys are interested, it is Shaylee and Amber's tea house and, um, our first tea party, which is just a live question and answer is this Sunday. So you'll be watching us on Saturday. So hurry and get in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, we will see you in the next episode. See ya.